It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. In this section of the Kriya Yoga Discipleship course, we're going to talk about how to prepare for finding a Kriya Yoga guru or preparing for participation in a relationship with a spiritual teacher. Now, we've already touched upon this in the previous week's discussion when we talked about creating a life through meditation, service, and spiritual study. Um, But I think it's worth being a little redundant here. Um, Many people are looking for uh, a teacher to help them learn to master their meditation practice. And that's a good thing because... um, If you have someone who can teach you to meditate well, who understands the process, who understands um, the procedures and has had direct experience themselves, um, giving a depth of meditation through those practices, you're going to be much better off. However, we have to remember with the idea of Kriya Yoga, but this is also true for the spiritual path in general, so any kind of teacher, any kind of guru. Um, There's more to it than just mastering meditation. Uh, It's important if an individual is able to find a teacher who has a good deal more experience in life in general, who's lived a bit longer, they will have had more time to respond to all the different situations in life. And hopefully they've adapted to it and they've learned how to manage those things in relationship to the spiritual path. It's also good if you're able to find a teacher who is um, at least a little accessible. There are many people that you can find their books and you can find their lectures and you can find their seminars, um, but they're so well known that to have any kind of meaningful interaction with them um, is pretty scarce. So it's important to have someone that is at least somewhat accessible to you. Now, you've heard me talk again and again about my relationship with Mr. Davis. Uh, He was fairly easily accessible to me through email and um, through being able to visit with him. But again, as I've said before, even in those interactions, particularly through something like email, um, I didn't get pages and pages of discussion from him on what I was asking about. He was very short and to the point. Oftentimes, um, it would just be a simple sentence for me to contemplate. But I did at least have access to him. And the same thing is true for Mr. Davis and his relationship to his own guru, Paramahansa Yogananda. Um, He had met Paramahansa Yogananda uh, just before Christmas, 1949, and for the final years of Yogananda's life, Mr. Davis was able to meet with Yogananda. Yogananda asked him to come and visit uh, every two months, every 60 days, and so he was able to uh, interact with his teacher and benefit from that interaction. But really, 
that's going to come later in our next section where I talk about maintaining the relationship with a guru or maintaining a relationship with a spiritual teacher in this course. So let's get back to the idea of preparing for the relationship. Preparing for the relationship is really not that complicated. Many people make it more complicated than it needs to be. In order to prepare for a relationship with an informed, helpful spiritual teacher really just requires that you begin to organize your life in a way that supports your, um, your endeavor to learn meditation or to learn spiritual philosophy. And the very first thing that you can do is learn to meditate. Now, many of you already know how to meditate, but if you don't, first thing to do is to learn how to meditate. Now, you can say, well, that's why I want a teacher to teach me how to meditate. Well, you can do a little bit of work on your own first, uh, particularly in this age. You have access to books, you have access to recordings, you have access to videos and lectures. You can find instruction on meditation even on the Kriya Yoga Online YouTube channel. If you go to the Playlists tab, there is a playlist that has, I think it's about eight or nine guided meditations. So you can simply learn by doing. You can go to um, the videos, the lectures, the recordings, and you can follow along and you learn by doing. And many people used to learn music this way. They would sit down with the radio or sit down with a record or sit down with um, well, any kind of recording. And they had their musical instrument and they would learn to play by listening and then figuring out, well, where does this sound come from on the instrument? Well, you can do the same thing in the beginning with meditation. And once you have a practice of meditation uh, learned, the next thing to do is to begin practicing meditation every day, at least once a day. Um, when we talk about preparing for a guru-disciple relationship or preparing for a student-teacher relationship, well, the guru, the teacher, is going to expect that you are practicing what the teacher teaches. And most of the time, that's going to be meditation. And there's going to be an expectation that you're able to do that every day as often as possible. So even if you don't have a teacher at the moment, what can you do? Well, you can start doing what you know a teacher is going to ask of you, which is to develop the discipline of regular meditation practice. And even if you just simply use um, uh, videos or recordings consistently to help guide you through it as you learn it, just do that every day. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be different every time. In fact, you've heard me talk about how I've been practicing the exact same um, series of meditation techniques that I learned from Mr. Davis um, almost two decades ago. I haven't changed very much, but I've gone deeper into the application of uh, the practice and the, the process. So first step, learn to meditate and then commit to begin meditating. And if you need to get in the habit by saying, well, I'm going to meditate every day for 30 days and see how it goes, or I'm going to meditate every day for 60 days and see how it goes, that's fine because it'll help to create that habit for you. But remember, ultimately, when you're participating in a relationship with someone who teaches meditation, um, it's, it's not something you just do for 30 or 60 days. It's something you do every morning or every evening. You do it every day. So rather than think about, I'm going to do it for a certain set of time, think about, well, this is important to me. 
So I'm going to now do it from this point forward, even if I'm terrible at it. And you don't want to get judgy on yourself about how good you are at it because we're all terrible at it in the beginning. Well, maybe not everybody, but many people are terrible at it in the beginning. And part of the process of getting good is practice. So you practice and you learn and you grow from the practice and you figure out how to do it better as you go. This is uh, taking some self-initiative. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, um, spiritual teachers really appreciate when students take the initiative to do what they know they need to be doing anyway, or what they know that the teacher is going to ask of them anyway. So meditation is important. The next thing you can do is you can begin uh, studying um, spiritual texts that relate to your tradition. Now I'm speaking a little broader here, but um, any, any spiritual text that relates to your tradition, just start reading it. Start familiarizing yourself with it. Even if you don't understand it, just start getting it into your consciousness. Again, it's like when, when someone's starting to learn a song. They might not know how to do it at all, but as the weeks go by, as they try a little bit and they listen here and they, what is that? And they, they try to play it in a few months. Like, wow, I, I can play this pretty well now. Uh, the same thing is true for spiritual study. Um, even in the beginning, if you don't understand what you're reading, that's okay. Familiarize yourself with it. Familiarize yourself with the terms, with the ideas. Do some research into it. And this will help uh, begin to ground you into uh, the essential philosophy of the practice that you're looking for a teacher to teach you about. Now in the Kriya Yoga tradition, two prime texts are the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali and also the Bhagavad Gita. Now, um, the translations that I would recommend for the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, Mr. Davis, Roy Eugene Davis, has a commentary in his book, The Science of Self-Realization. The Science of Self-Realization. That's a great start. Um, I've written a commentary on it um, in the book, Kriya Yoga, Continuing the Lineage of Enlightenment. So you can find uh, the Yoga Sutras and commentaries on that to start getting into your consciousness there. And Mr. Davis, Roy Eugene Davis, has written a text called um, The Eternal Way, which is a commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. Now, once again, those of you who are interested in participating down the line in the Kriya Yoga Apprenticeship Program, um, we go through these in detail. We take almost half a year to go through each one of them meaning half a year for one, half a year for another. But they will be required reading for that. But just reading these books, contemplating them, going from the front of the book to the back of the book. It, Mr. Davis would all, often recommend that when you're reading and studying a text, to read it from the front of the book to the back of the book first, just to familiarize yourself with the ideas and how the book is laid out. And then once you've done that, now you go back and you start studying it more slowly. You start trying to analyze it, think about it. And what this does is, um, if you do this every day, it begins to fill your consciousness with these spiritual ideals and these spiritual ideas. And if you do it enough, it starts to crowd out all the anxiety-producing, distracting thoughts. And it starts to crowd out um, whatever stuff you tend to pick up off social media or the internet, which doesn't have much bearing on anything. 
And you start to fill your mind and your consciousness with these spiritual ideals and ideas. And that is another way to prepare for the guru-disciple relationship or prepare for uh, finding a guru. Because then, once you're familiar, or at least have some sense of what's in the spiritual philosophy, when you attend lectures or you listen to courses or you meet with your teacher, um, you will have a better ability to comprehend the teacher's emphasis, where they're coming from. You'll, you'll better be able to understand what they're talking about. And it's always good if you have a teacher that most of the time, we'll just say 75 to 80% of the time, you can understand what they're saying. And um, even in my own life, when I first met uh, my Kriya Yoga teacher, Roy Eugene Davis, I had not yet spent a lot of study in uh, the realm of philosophy that Kriya Yoga came from. I had read Autobiography of a Yogi. Through my teenage years, I had always had an interest in religion, spirituality, different kinds of philosophy. So my mind had the capacity to get the general ideas. But I wasn't familiar with the Yoga Sutras. I wasn't familiar with the Bhagavad Gita. I wasn't familiar with a lot of uh, the ideas um, that the Kriya tradition comes from. And it wasn't until I started reading these books daily that a lot of it, the, the bigger picture of the whole practice made sense. That's when I moved from this idea of, I can't wait to get that rocket ship technique, which is going to propel me into self-realization and the bliss of God communion to realizing, oh, well, that's just the fuel, but we actually need the structure. We actually need the ship itself, which is our life, which is our understanding, which is sort of the resonation or the vibration of our consciousness, which holds, um, Again, these spiritual ideals and ideas. And this is true for any religion, any form of spirituality. There is the body of uh, the tradition, um, which is way beyond just simple techniques. It's how you live. It's how you think. It's the kinds of philosophies that you follow. So number two, in this idea of preparing for finding and meeting a guru, is familiarizing yourself with the tradition, doing your best to study it, to read about it, to bring it into your consciousness. And um, it's good if you're self-motivated. And as I've said, um, teachers tend to appreciate it if you take the initiative in this regard. They appreciate it when they see that you have an appetite or a yearning or have a, a deep um, capacity to direct your intention on your own. And that way, when you finally meet the teacher, they can just simply help guide that momentum or uh, inspire and encourage that. But it, it needs to kind of be there already in the first place. And if they can see that you've already been doing your best to meditate every day and doing your best to understand what's uh, what's out there in regards to the philosophy, well, that's going to help out a whole lot. Now, the next thing uh, in regards to preparing for this relationship and finding a teacher is simply uh, to explore. Um, just look around, see what's out there, what's available. 
And again, in our current age, in this current era, teachers are at the touch of a button. You can type in Kriya Yoga, or you can type in Buddhism, or you can type in Vichara, you can type in whatever it is you're interested in, and you're going to get a lot of information. Um, so what can be helpful at this stage is uh, it's okay to be a shopper at this point. Mr. Davis would often say that uh, spiritual seekers kind of fall into some categories. And uh, one of those categories was the shopper, meaning they're not really ready to buy anything. They're not really ready to commit to anything. They're just kind of looking around, going from store to store, you know, figuring out what's the what's available. So if you are unsure, if you do not have uh, an immediate insight into whom it might be useful to learn from or someone isn't presented to you, and that's very common, well, then what you need to do is look around. And it's important to um, follow your gut a little bit. Because there, just like in any situation, in any situation, um, there are people who might know how to talk about things, but don't have any inner realization. Uh, there are people who might have all kinds of inner realization, but either they lack the charisma or uh, they don't have the right words. And so no one pays attention to them, which is a real shame. Um, so you have to learn to develop your discernment. And... Um, how you do that is up to you. But when you find someone that when you listen to them speak, where you read their writings, in a sense, I'm speaking from my own experience here, it feels like they're simply reminding you of something that you already knew deep down inside. They're reminding you of what you knew was true all along. And as long as there isn't a whole lot of um, uh, double talk or moments where you think, well, where are they going with that? Or it seems like they're just kind of wandering off into um, some kind of philosophical limbo. Um, most of the time, that might be the, the place to start. That might be the place to start. And even if um, this person doesn't become your teacher, maybe they will lead you. Maybe they are part of a tradition. Maybe they have had a teacher, or maybe they have um, other uh, brother, sister, disciples who learn from their teacher that might make a little more sense to you. That's how you start. Look around. And, 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 and in my experience, it was the recognizing, oh, yes, this, this is true. I, I understand this. This is reminding me of what I've all, always known. And again, avoiding the double talk. And the reason I, I state that and I, I try to emphasize the avoiding the double talk is because uh, having been observant of teachers and observing um, and going to uh, listen to well-known speakers teach and not so well-known speakers teach and kind of observing the interactions with students. Um, what I've noticed is every now and then you get someone who's really charismatic and they're really good at just talking in circles. And if you don't have really good discernment and you get caught up in their charisma, you sit there and it doesn't quite make any sense to you, but it sounds good. And you don't want to confuse the, it sounds good with, yes, I've always known that. It should be an inner resonation of, yes, I've always known that, and it makes sense. Not, wow, that must be so beyond me, they have to be enlightened. You know, in my experience, an authentic teacher doesn't speak over your head. Um, doesn't try to use words that seem like they're so much more than... Uh, I guess what they have inside. 
So if you find yourself in situations where um, you're listening to a teacher speak and you are interested in them, like they've got good charisma and they have good energy and they use their words really well, but at the end of every talk, you kind of scratch your chin and go, what are they talking about? And then you start to think, well, they must just be more enlightened than I am. Uh, beware of that. Beware of that. The best teachers I have met speak very directly and very clearly. And it might not be um, super, uh, what's the word? You know, we, we romanticize things. So they might speak in such a way that doesn't seem very romantic. You know, they're telling you, just meditate every day. Well, that's very good advice versus going on about what is this spiritual world like and what is this loka like and how do you do this in the astral realms. That's not going to help you in the long run. It might be interesting. It might be kind of fun. But it's not necessarily going to help you in the long run. Um, so as you are shopping around, try to use that as a guide. And it may be that you don't necessarily have great discernment in the beginning. Not many people do. So one thing you can do at the end of each of your meditation sessions while you are preparing for this, however you perceive and experience the divine to be or the infinite consciousness or the self, whatever you relate to this bigger one reality, which we're all a part of, um, you can begin a type of prayer practice where you simply ask for discernment, for clarity, for the ability to recognize um, a helpful teacher for you, someone who can um, help awaken you to the truth of um, your spiritual awareness. And, and you need to do that every day. And it might take a while. It could take years, but isn't it worth it if you finally find one? And you can pray for the discernment and, and the understanding and the ability to see uh, and, and feel uh, what is true when people speak. And you can also begin practicing simply having a sense that you do have discernment, that you do understand how to kind of, you do have a bullshit meter. How about that? <laughs> you, can, you can believe and trust that you do have a bullshit meter. Um, and when you do that, then when you're listening to people, you can learn to trust your gut. And when you're listening to someone who is teaching, you can say, well, yeah, for the most part, they make sense, but I don't know. They might not necessarily be for me. Or they go a little too far out here, and I know that's a little bit distracting, so that might not be helpful. You can learn to trust that within yourself. So you don't want to be like one of those people who's just always looking for a relationship. And they just always jump right in. You know, I don't know if you've ever watched the, uh, the show How I Met Your Mother. Well, that's the main character. Um, what's his name? Ted. He's a good example of the person who's just always, you know, on the first date, what does he tell someone? I love you. You know, on the first date, that's what he tells them. Well, many people do the same thing when it comes to spiritual teachers and gurus. The first one they meet, oh, you must be the one. I love you. Yeah, that same kind of thing. And, and you don't need to do that. Watch, observe, take some time, look and see what is the consistency of, of what they say. How do they live their life? Um, what is your general sense? Uh, what is your general um, feeling when you are 
listening to them around them do you have the sense of yes this this is reminding me of something greater and true and even when you're challenged you don't take it as an affront you don't feel uh, uncomfortable by it like when you're at the gym and your trainer is pushing you to do something more you know you can do it and that you have to do it and it's good to be pushed in a certain direction so you you can you can tell when someone is challenging you in a way because you need to grow to be stronger and clearer and you need to have the discernment to recognize well wait a minute what are they doing there why are they encouraging this this doesn't feel right at all you have to trust that you have to trust that and if you do that i'm not going to make any guarantees here because you know human nature is uh a fickle beast. But um, if you can learn to trust that and take your time with it, um, you might be better off in the long run. Now, there's another aspect to this. Um, you might learn from multiple people within a similar tradition. So you might know uh, what tradition is important to you. For example, I knew Kriya Yoga was important. Some people like Buddhist uh, traditions. Some people like uh, Christian traditions. But you might already have a sense of, you know, what tradition generally you're interested in. Maybe you've read Autobiography of a Yogi and you think, yeah, this is it. But then there's um, all kinds of different teachers out there. You can go through Self-Realization Fellowship, Ananda, Center for Spiritual Awareness. There are plenty of independent teachers, um, teachers who don't have any affiliation at all. Um, most of the time, I would encourage you to find someone who actually is part of the lineage, meaning they have learned from a teacher who's been alive and embodied, who's learned from a teacher who's been alive and embodied. Um, since you're taking this course, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel about things. I really don't encourage you to follow people who um, say, you know, Babaji just visited them in a dream. I haven't met anyone yet who... Um, seems to have it all together. Uh, as Mr. Davis would say, I have, n I have not met any, he would talk about teachers being reasonably alert. I have not met anyone yet who has miraculously met Babaji in a dream and um, is reasonably alert enough to teach people well. And again, you can learn from everyone, so maybe they have a few interesting points, but um, personally, and again, it's because I have the luxury of having had that experience. So always bear that in mind too. You want to you see things from all angles. Uh, it's best if you learn from someone who actually is participating in the lineage, being authorized to teach by a living teacher and so on back um, to when Lahiri Mahasaya actually met Babaji. Now I'm speaking about the Kriya tradition here. But as I've said, I personally had that luxury, meaning I met Roy Jean Davis, who studied with Paramahansa Yogananda, who learned from Swami Sri Rikteshwar, who learned from Lahiriya Mahasaya, who learned from Mahavatar Babaji. So that's why I think that's better. Um, but it's up to you to figure out uh, where you go with that. Um, but back to the point here. Um, you can have multiple teachers and and the first one you meet doesn't necessarily have to be your your guru, your lifelong satguru, as they say. And we can see that through uh, even Paramahansa Yogananda's example. You know, he had learned Kriya practices from his father. 
He had also learned Kriya practices from his Sanskrit tutor. And he had studied with many other gurus, but he never really felt like they were, they were the one, you know, they were the one that, that, that he was going to learn from until he met Swami Sri Yukteswar. So, uh, I'm telling you that so that it's okay for you to learn from different, uh, people who are reasonably alert, who are uh, authentic in their approach and, um, do their best within reason, realizing that all humans have their little quirks and idiosyncrasies to embody and be a good role model. Uh, but it might be that the first teacher you meet is not the one that uh, has the same kind of relationship that Yogananda had with Sri Yukteswar, or that, for example, I had with Roy Eugene Davis. Um, but that's okay, because again, that is part of the preparation um, for finding that. And it may even be that throughout your life, you never find that kind of relationship. And you don't want to get down on yourself about that. Because just like not everyone is able to meet their soulmate in their life, not everyone is able to um, build the business that changes the world. Well, not everyone is able to always feel like they've got that kind of connection with someone. But you can cultivate, you can always cultivate your relationship with spirit and you can cultivate your relationship with the tradition. If you are reasonably alert, you can study the texts of uh, inspired teachers and you can apply it. You know, many people get on YouTube and they learn how to remodel their bathroom and they haven't even gone to school for it and they do a really good job. Well, what is important? that they went to school for it and met the uh, bathroom remodeling guru and had that relationship? Or is it that they learned how to do it and they did it? So everyone has a different kind of path in this regard. And many people will be able to find someone because as the years go on, as Kriya Yoga expands, um, as the, 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 the branches of the lineage uh, continue, um, whereas before we had very few teachers, and now we have more because the tree grows. So it's more likely to find them now. Uh, but if you, if you can't and if you don't, it's okay. Learn what you can from who you can, that the teachers that are reasonably alert and fairly good role models, and most of the time seem to know what they're talking about and speak very clearly and directly and plainly, even if they challenge you from time to time. And then be like the person who is able to remodel their bathroom. You, 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 the most important thing is that you do what you know you're, you're supposed to do rather than get fixated on, why well, I can't do it until I have this. That's a great way to self-sabotage. <laughs> and we want to avoid self-sabotaging. Um, so these are um, very basic ways of preparing for and finding uh, your guru. It's very simple. You learn to meditate. You learn to daily study spiritual literature that is appropriate to your tradition. And then after you've studied it a little while, then you begin to wonder how you can incorporate it into your life. You know, do you need a guru to instruct you on the virtue of truthfulness? Or can you read it in the Yoga Sutras and say, oh, truthfulness, yeah, that makes sense. And then you just start applying it. Do you need uh, a guru to instruct you on... Um, what it means to have discipline, to live an organized life. Do you need someone to tell you that? Or can you read about it and say, well, 
Someone could tell me about this, and maybe that would help, but what if I just tried to start doing it now anyway? That's what's going to make all the difference, because as we've discussed, um, you can be a disciple of life, you can be a disciple of the infinite, you can be a disciple of God. And as Yogananda would say, I am not the guru, God is the guru, I am only God's servant. Well, the embodied person is that. It's just a... The, the embodied person that you consider to be a guru is just a representation of vessel that they've decided to give their life to sharing this useful information. That's it. One day, the body's going to fade away or burn up or disintegrate. The personality is going to uh, go off into the ethers. And what's going to be left? Well, that essence, that spirit, that eternal, timeless being, which we are all a part of. So... Um, do your best to prepare and do your best to find someone who can help you. But if that doesn't work out, then you just simply do your best. And that has to be enough too. And also, as I believe I discussed before, when it comes to learning from a teacher, um, please, please don't get so caught up in their personality. That can be a real distraction. What's important is the information they share. Just like when you go to college or you go to learn anything. Well, imagine if, if instead of just looking through the catalog and saying, well, I want to learn this, I want to learn that. If you said, yeah, but let me figure out what this teacher's personality is like. Let me see what their history is like. Let me see this. Let me see that. Well, you'd probably never get anywhere. But if you decide I'm going to college to learn and I want to learn how to um, make eggs benedict well, you find that professor who knows how to make eggs benedict and you show up for class and you think, wow, um, they're kind of ugly and they stink uh, and they're not very nice. But then you see the eggs benedict that they make and you say, well, they sure know how to make eggs benedict. So are you able to move through and get beyond those external things so that you can learn how to make the eggs benedict? Or are you going to say, no, I'm sorry, I don't care how good your eggs benedict are, I'm, I'm getting out of here. So you never learn. Um, so you really want to be careful, uh, going by the personality and even in ancient Vedic scriptures, they talk about sages who were just really cantankerous and angry all the time, but they were enlightened. They were clear. So they describe the whole range of, um, uh, ways that a, a, a sage or a teacher can show up. But the important thing isn't necessarily their outward expression. Of course, you don't want them to abuse you and take advantage of you, but that's where your discernment comes in. But you don't want to get so caught up in their personality. Um, and many people make that mistake. And then they don't necessarily make the progress they're meant to. So you want to focus on, do they have, do they represent and have the capacity to share what you want? Just like when I used to be in charge of um, uh, a Kriya Yoga meditation center in Asheville, there were people who came in and they just wanted to sit down and learn how to meditate and study the Yoga Sutras and learn to apply those in their life. They didn't care how old I was, what I looked like, how I talked. They just wanted to learn those things. And I was able and happy to do that. Then there were other people that came in that looked around and said, well, well, how many people show up here? Um, do, you, do you guys have uh, coffee and like cakes afterwards? Um, um, what do you think about this? Uh, you know, they're like, they're like feeling out to see uh, more uh, 
superficial things. And when they would show up, I'd say, it doesn't matter how many people come here. No, we don't have tea and cakes. Um, if you want to learn how to sit and meditate, we can do that. Oh, well, you, you, you're awful grumpy. I, don't, I can't learn from you. You're, you're a grumpy one. And then they'd go away. And maybe that was better. Maybe I am grumpy. But um, what I have noticed is when individuals get caught up in how a teacher looks, how they, it, when they get caught up in their personality, um, well, they're going to be let down eventually because personalities are human nature and they are fickle. Uh, charisma goes away from time to time. People have bad days, no matter how enlightened they are. Uh, just because it's part of being existing in the human experience. And if you're caught up in a person's personality and so on, and um, the teacher is going through a rough time and, and then they seem short with you, or they seem like they can't quite give you the energy that you want, well, then you make a judgment and you move on. You miss out on a very useful opportunity. So the personality is not the important thing in this regard. What is important is, are you able to learn and do, are they able to demonstrate and share with you ways to learn and to experience that? So keep this in mind when you are thinking about beginning to prepare for finding and participating in a guru-disciple relationship. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga Apprenticeship Students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.